Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg and released in 2018. The plot of Ready Player One goes something like this. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he challenges Oasis players to find his Easter egg and inherit his fortune. And uh, as as we do, uh, we'll do a quick spoiler-free section to let you know whether we think you should see this movie before we go into talking about it in more detail. So, Katie, should people see Ready Player One? I guess if they really want to. (laughs) I mean, if you really love the book and really want to see this movie, then... Yeah, I guess go see it, but it's it's not really worth it to me. Although there are some things that look really good. And it's like I said before we saw the movie, Steven Spielberg is such a good director. Mm. So, like, he knows how to put together a movie. So yep. there's whole sequences that are actually really cool to look at and, like, well put together and things like that. Mm. Um, and there are some actors who are having fun, but it's not great. And it's... I, has weird things to say. Yeah, and it's just ultimately, like, I haven't read the book and neither of you, we've heard about it, it's notorious, but it's just a bit of a nothing movie. Like, it's very, it's so derivative that it doesn't actually have anything original to say um, or what it does have to say are things that it doesn't necessarily intend. Um, and it's very, I just found it, like, like you said, there's bits that are quite fun like some sequences that are quite fun. And, yeah, being Spielberg, you never get bored. It's always sort of well well put together and the storytelling is quite good. But the the self-consciousness and the double, triple, quadruple exposition that we get and um, I, I think the references aren't, I think, as egregious as they are in the books but they're still kind of annoying. So, yeah, like if this is something you're really into, sure – um, it's definitely something a lot of people are talking about at the moment, which is part of the reason why we wanted to go and see it. So I, I understand that motivation. But uh, in terms of like great movies about games, this is not one. It's yeah. I mean, it's great movies about games. I can't think of many that are well. That but- this isn't. Yeah, we can get into this in more detail later. But because we've seen because we saw Tomb Raider so recently, and then we were talking about you know how video games are video game movies are generally terrible it's like this one is even about a fake video game isn't that great yeah exactly and it's yeah i don't know it will get into the spoiler stuff i guess later the the main reason that i have not to see this movie is because the lead is cardboard (laughs) like he is so dull that i just couldn't i just couldn't focus on him i was like just completely distracted from him the whole time that he was there we found him so boring Mm. Um, and he's, yeah, like he looks like a, what did you call him? The uh, bastard child of Ansel Elgort and Miles Teller. Yes. But with like, well, less talent than one and less charisma than the other. Yeah. Well, not less charisma than Ansel No, that, mean, that would be hard. It, yeah. But he's, he's um, probably on a similar level. With, with, with less charisma. But Ansel Elgort, can, Ansel Elgort can sing. To be fair, I don't know if Ty Sheridan can sing. I'd even forgotten his name. I was like, is he Nick Robinson? But no, Nick Robinson's the lead in Love, Simon, which is <laughs> which, the last one, last floppy-haired white boy we had to look at. Yeah. And, and we've, got, we've is, got one coming up in the next movie as well. Literally, Ty Sheridan was the guy who his movie Detour came out at the same time as um, as Baby Driver. And oh. every time I saw the trailer for Detour, I was like, oh, it's a trailer for Baby Driver because he just looked <laughs> that 
generic he does he does um so yeah it, it couldn't be about a more generic white boy saving the world so like that was i mean there are some problems but that was my biggest problem with this movie was just him he is uninspiring um, absolutely so yeah I, I mean if you like nostalgia things then it's nostalgic so you'll yeah, probably for like it. certain types of people who like very specific types of nostalgia um, but yes, I, we probably should just go it into did, spoilers. It did. I mean, it had a much wider range of things, references to things than I thought it would, mm. and and more interesting ones. I had a bigger problem with that it engaged with those things completely uncritically. Mm. But it uh, there was a big range of different stuff that it references. Yes, um, but it literally just references. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything interesting with those. References. No, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So. Um, but there's one sequence in particular that I was like, wow, this is great. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we there got, are definitely moments. Yeah, it definitely has its moments. And it's not like, it's not un, unwatchable, but it is also not great. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get into spoilers uh, because we're already heading that way and um, talk about the rest of the movie. Yeah. So, the sequence that I'm talking about is the shining sequence. Oh, um, my God. That's my favorite bit. Yeah. Recreating the Overlook Hotel um, was fantastic. It just looks incredible. And it, it feels so much like you're in it that mm. you finally understand the appeal of this game. Yes. That was the only moment that I understood the appeal of this game because you get to go into the Overlook yes. Hotel and, like, all this stuff is happening. You know what I thought would have been really cool as well is if um, when H went up to the elevators mm. – the blood was in slow motion, but he wasn't. Well, yeah, like because H has never, um, never seen The Shining, so she just sort of wanders off wherever, and it's like that. That's that is what makes it cool because having seen The Shining, it it, it actually gives you like that. That's one thing where you can actually really be inside the the reference, yeah, and it works really well. And plus, it looks amazing. So here's what I've been doing in my head, and I think it's pretty clear that you're doing something different because. I feel like the people that they're playing inside the game are characters. I've been referencing H in the game as male and outside the game as female. See, I thought she was female in the game. Oh, okay. I, I read her as female the moment she appeared on screen. Um, okay. <laughs> so I don't know why. I just sort of – I got a vibe and because of the voice, I assume. Yeah. Um, well, the voice is so clearly um, – um, Lena Waite. But, no, I meant um, it's so clearly um, edited down. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's, down. that's why I read her as female because yeah. the voice the voice changer was in such a but way. But she's I, chosen a male avatar. Like the avatar that she's chosen is male in form and everything. People refer to H as male in the game because I, when I play games, the characters that I'm playing are not necessarily me. But uh, so like, but the thing is, I, can't I don't not. know whether anybody the else. Is I can't not no, do it because that's how I read her from the start. Which is like, I know it's bad to like read somebody's gender from just looking at them but um i did and so i kind of can't help myself <laughs> right but I don't again, think because this a- movie is so like we talked in um we talked in another movie about everything being so loudly telegraphed yeah like this is ridiculous okay yeah. like everything is so loudly telegraphed in this movie that like it might just be that all the signals were so loud that I was like, well, this is definitely a girl. And yeah, it was so very obvious that that was so going to be the reveal. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to read it, honestly. Mm. It's not like she's trans or she was no, no. like expressing. I, I, so it's I don't just think the character that she wanted to play as. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I just, um, yeah, 
I just was, I just wanted to discuss that because I, and I don't think either of our approaches is wrong. No, no. It's just different ways of viewing it, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, um, I, it, the, with the telegraphing, the, this movie has so much unnecessary exposition in it. Oh my God. Like, there's, they repeat the same things over and over again. It tells you all this stuff about the video game world we don't need to know. Meanwhile, we know nothing about the real world at all apart from like the the vague setting like it's, it's all in the future. hand waved in a there's a, there's like a voiceover at the beginning and he's like oh i was born in the mid 2020s before the corn wars my parents didn't survive and that's li- literally it mm. like hand wavy oh times are bad and i'm stuck living with my auntie in yes. this horrible place and and then they spend all this time over explaining the video game world yeah exactly it's so bizarre and the less the, interesting bit well, I mean, I think they could be equally interesting if they were treated as well, equally interesting. The thing is, the Oasis is interesting in the context of the world being really bad yeah. because you absolutely understand why all of these people spend all of their time in this place. Yeah, especially once you go into the Oval. But anyway, mm. I'd like I, it, that's the halfway, no, two-thirds of the way through the movie, it introduces the idea that you can go into movies in this thing. I and know. I was like, wow. Why are we doing this earlier? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, well, probably the rights. At the end, we were just looking at the, like, the real heroes of this movie are the lawyers who secured yeah. the rights to everything. And they had to get... We, they had to get Steven Spielberg to direct it because only he would have the relationships with all the directors and their estates to or get someone like that, yeah. the rights. And the licensing, um, I was thinking oh about the God. licensing in the game as well because you can be mm. anything. So they must have had the licenses to everything, which is also interesting to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they must have had really, really great licensing lawyers as well. And, yeah, and how yeah. did James Halliday and Simon Pegg even get those? I just went actor and character name in the same thing, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, like how, how did they get all those rights? It's not like they were particularly good at talking to people. No, or did they just make it, you know, illegally and then kind of catch up along the way? Yeah, it was that was anyway. And then I was I like, mean, the whole, surely there's a lot of people fighting over which thing they want to play as. Like there was one that was Tracer from Overwatch was in there, and I was like, surely there's a lot of people who want to be Tracer. Like, how does this person get to do that? And, and presumably that, there are like about ten, well, a hundred or a million Tracers walking around, right? Or do they? But they have these artifacts that there's only one of, so they only have one skin of that. And like, mm. do you, does everybody fighting over the same ones? And that was just interesting. Yeah, to yeah. Me. And like, clearly our lead wanted to be Draco Malfoy in leather pants. Oh yeah, that was his his avatar. Could not be more boring looking, like or more of a Mary Sue. Yeah, and or less less inspired. Mm. They're just it's so uninspired, um, which is, makes sense for the character. He's he mm. is in fact that uninspired as a yep. person. Yeah, he has to. Um, do that um yeah so yeah th- there is like all these questions ab- that go unanswered about how things work that's the thing is that there's all these questions that go unanswered and yet it spends a lot of time answering questions we don't need the answers and yet they to. explain the game adventure to us seven times yeah and and a bunch of other things what were the other things like um oh the bit where they they trick um, yes that uh, ben mendelson by like pre- pretending that he's gotten out of his out of the oasis and he's not really out of the oasis, which we can see happening. Yeah, and then they explain it to us in three different ways. They and they explain every step of the way, and we're like, we know, we know, Don't we have figured this out. <laughs> yeah, um, that was painful. And then the fact that they didn't include the password on the arm of the chair, which is the only way that he knew the password in the first place. Oh, my place. God. One thing. One thing, you guys. No, but I understand, I would understand if it was one thing that wasn't that. Yeah. 
But like the fact that it was that, like he, that, that's how he knew what the password was. Literally Obviously had one job, he knew people. that. One job. Also, how did he manage to recreate that so perfectly from memory? But anyway. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I remember every single detail. Well, but we don't get told why he remembers every single I, detail. I have questions about that with um, Mark Rylance's memories of movies and stuff. Like he fi- there's a file in his library of all the movies that he's watched and TV and all that. Like it's all catalogued. But I'm like, how did he? How did they do that? Oh no, he kept a catalog. He kept, he wrote them down. He wrote them down like I do. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like he remembered every detail of every movie that he watched. No, no, no. no, no. It was. They actually said he he. Um, it's the same thing I do. He cataloged like every movie that he yeah, saw right. and the date that he saw it on. Right, right. And then the traveling into movies thing is is a feature of the Oasis, not of his memory or anything like that. Yeah. You can yes, it seems like you can go into whatever movie you want yeah, to yeah. inside and the that's Oasis. That's his journals, not his memories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, that was separate. Yeah, but uh, oh, that was another his, one too. His memories are well. I mean, I I don't know. I I'm like his memories are surprisingly good, but I don't have a good point of reference for that. So well, yeah, but they they are always are in movies. Like in real life, your memories are really quite fuzzy of things, mm. and you sometimes wonder whether you remembered something right, and other people will tell you something different. But in movies, they're always like this little scene that plays out, which I've never experienced in real life. I mean, really. that could just be a future tech thing too. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking it was because they do talk about it as his journals as opposed to his memories. So I wonder if it's like he wrote down his version of events. True. And that's how I – that's what I was expecting it to be. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not – I'm not sure. And there, there probably is a, like an inaccuracy to the memories because they talk about how – um, that girl that he liked was only mentioned once in all mm-hmm. of them. So he's probably edited out. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it's a journal, not a memory. So, yeah, they, they might just be – literally written them. It's not even his – it's not even his biased memory. It's his biased recollection of his memory. Right. Or you could – or there could be a way of, in the future of journaling in that you, like – More real-time. Record yeah. memories or something like that. But, True. Um, but I still think it was changed from the real – yeah, absolutely. Events. Yeah, um, and all this stuff, all this kind of stuff, is the the interesting. Like to me, is is the more interesting stuff. Like, how does the world work? Like, not what is in the world. Yeah, um, Mark Rylance and Simon Pegg also would be a great would be a great movie to watch the two of them together. They were great. They were really good. Um, they worked really well together too. Mm. Just, I mean, Mark Rylance is excellent. There's a reason Steven Spielberg's got a big crush on him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Has him in everything. Um, he's really good, and si- it was a good Simon Pegg part as mm-hmm. well. Um, he, he, it, it suits him, uh, and they were they were good together. Fun, like kind of funny, like these two Englishmen trying to do American accents at one another. I know that was really it slipped. Did a you lot. also, as soon as they walked into the journal room, go hear the voice and be like, "That sounds like Simon Pegg," because I did. Yes, yeah, I did. yeah. Um, not and with Mark Rylance. So I, I, although big I did reveal discover- at the end, and like, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Yes, because I I remember I bumped you, I think. I was like, oh, that – but anyway. Um, And then I was like, maybe I'm wrong because he's playing a different role. But Yeah, I did exactly the same thing. I doubted myself. I was like, that's Simon Pegg. And then I went, no. I did discover that I get Mark Rylance and Richard Jenkins confused though. Yeah, I don't know Richard Jenkins well enough to get him confused. I've literally only seen him in Shape of Water, so I don't know him well enough. You've seen Cabin in the Woods, right? Oh, he's – what's his name's friend? Yeah. Yeah, right. Josh. Bradley Whitford. Thank friend. you. He's, I think he's been in other things we've both seen as well. Right. Um, I, I do. I, he to me is very much that guy. I don't even. Yeah. I don't even know him well to think of him as that guy. They have very similar ways of moving their mouths when they talk. 
yeah. which is what got me. And when there's a lot of makeup on everything else. Yeah, I just um, – I know Mark Rylance, I, he's, well, you know, British. But also I kind of – because I – But he was doing an American accent in this. Because I first encountered him in Wolf Hall and British TV and mm. his – he runs the Globe Theatre, Shakespeare Theatre. Um, Like he – I sort of – I had this very much like English establishment mm. – background of him so i kind of i don't have that problem but i can understand in terms of looks and the way they talk yeah especially when he's doing the american accent he just sort of sounded a bit yeah richard jenkinsy um when he was doing what it right. i do think is funny is that I, like i did maths as i always do in movies as you know and it seems to imply that um uh mark rylance and simon Pegg's characters are probably born in the late 60s early 70s and grew therefore were like grow into in the sort of prime of youth in the 80s and that's why they're so into 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. culture what is weird is that they never like got into anything after they were like 25 there's like no reference that's like later than about 1996 or so like in the game in yeah in there's the oasis heaps. world there's stats there's firefly references there's overwatch halo um like there's heaps and heaps and I, I heaps don't, of post nineties references. So I didn't recognize and I didn't see that when was the Firefly reference? The Gundam Wing guy jumps out of Serenity. I didn't see that. I didn't recognise that. Oh, okay. And immediately as soon as it showed up, I'm like, Oh, it's Serenity. Right. He he's in Serenity when he comes in and then he Right. And he's like, I choose Gundam Wing on in the cargo hold of Serenity. Right. Which is why I was like, Oh, the cargo hold of Serenity was a really wrong size, but I didn't realise he grew. It's oh yeah, no, he puts I... a, he's got a vehicle that he puts on himself. Yeah, yeah, um, which yeah. I didn't realize. I, no, I just wasn't. I guess I just wasn't looking at that. Yeah, or paying attention so, to that. Okay, so he did keep watching there's... pop culture after 1995, or the or it's come into the game at some point. But yes, mm. but I think when he's making the game, um, a lot of the things that he cared the most about come from that era. Mm. Um, but there are still references to things you know that are later. Yeah. And anyway. the game uh, is clearly updated. The, the movie is updated from the book. There's heaps and heaps of references yeah. later than the book, although the book does reference Firefly, so I'm not sure when that came out. I, I don't know. Um, but definitely it I, came I out would, before Overwatch. I'd be willing to bet Ernest Klein is born in the early 70s and grew up on this stuff as well. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But, yes, um, it definitely had a, nostalgia, a period of nostalgia that was the strongest, mm. which is probably true for all of us. Yeah, we probably although, do. He might not have been in Berlin in the 70s because I love 80s stuff and I was born in the 80s. Given the ages, like they have the, the dead wife is born in 1974. They put her as born then. Mm. And so she's supposed to be roughly Simon Pegg's age. And he looks to be about like in his 50s or so in 2025 when they're making the thing. Mm. And so that to me would say born in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. So I just kind of did the – yeah, no, I meant Ernest Klein, but yeah. Oh, um, Ernest Klein, right? Yes, I don't, I don't know. He could be him. younger, and and um, but I would guess that he's a bit older because um, Will Wheaton read the book for this. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking he's was... a he's that like that group of, you know, like that age. Yeah, yeah. People really love the audiobook of this as yeah. well, which I think has probably got a lot to do with him with, reading it. Will Wheaton reading it? Yeah, um, but yeah, um, the, born 1972. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, the bigger problem for me was how uncritically it just, like, there's no kind of, everything is like looking for clues in these movies and things and who knows the most about them and stuff, but yeah. nobody's really talking about, you know, what made them good or, you know, how they worked or anything like that, which is no. kind of boring to me. And most nerds that I know 
are interested in that stuff too? Yes. So, and yeah, it was very, it was definitely very dude heavy as well. Like there's no kind of Buffy references or mm. like things that are, that are, were. Well, that's the other thing I meant about like these uncritical older references. Like have, it's Buffy that ticked tick this off in my head is that stuff that you loved as a teenager, it's often not, you don't want to revisit it precisely because the world has moved on in those years since then. And so you kind of like, there's no sense that he kind of moved on from an no. older interpretation of pop culture. No, but that's part of the character. He lives in, very yeah. much in the past and in his own head and all that sort of stuff. I mean, mm. that makes perfect sense. But um, but I still like watching Buffy. Yeah, I just watch I, Buffy I'm, with the lens of like, this, you know, this is a period of time that doesn't – it's a different time. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you It's like you watching have to. movies from the 50s that we yeah. do frequently. Yeah, you, 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 and you, ha- you have to – you can't engage with it uncritically anymore. You have to – that's what I'm saying. You have to like revisit it through the lens or ignore it completely and just say, this was a beautiful memory. I'm not going back to it. I don't know. I think there's a place in between those things. Well, like not, not, not uncritically, but like without being hypercritical, like you just go in this time, that this was, what was, was quite acceptable. progressive. Yeah. Not, 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 not just this was acceptable, but this was progressive or this wasn't progressive. Mm-hmm. Like, and for this time, you know, there's, but they, don't know as much as we know now. No, no. I didn't know much, as much 10 years ago as I know now. Right, so- exactly. And the, But it seems like this game, which is supposed to be set 25 years in the future from now, like it, it's almost like they haven't done any of that like critical reprocessing. Yes, but I also think that they haven't created anything new in 25 years. I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, everything yeah, yeah, now is Because within- once the wars happened, there was just no – there's no more music and films and stuff because the world is – dying that's what i assume happened yeah but also because everything is in this oasis yeah right and so they never create new things because they're just reliving the old stuff in right yeah and i think that would be a really interesting story to tell Mm, it is that people aren't trying to do new things they're just trying to you know they can only rehash old things because there's no new creativity because of this place and it's a really good message like and very much one for our times as well Especially with all the remakes and reboots and There have reunions. always been remakes and reboots and sequels and things, though. If there's anything I've learned doing the radio and stuff, it's that. that we, we've talked on the radio right. about these movies that are essentially like serialized TV shows from like the 40s. Um, every Shakespeare adaptation is a remake or a reboot. Every time that they do a Three Musketeers or um, like half of the most famous movies are based on something else. Right, but you didn't see the cast of The Partridge Family coming back 30 years later and having a, a like and deciding to continue their TV show. No, and but that is others. one of those really annoying things that happens at the moment. Yeah, but there were other things that did get have comebacks and things like that. We just, I don't know. I mean, there's so much more stuff now, right? Yes. So a lot, but if you look at last year, last year was amazing for original movies and new ideas and all that sort of stuff. But there's heaps more TV channels and time to fill and all that sort of stuff. So there's probably there's more remakes and reboots and sequels and things, but there's also more original content. Mm. There's just more of everything, right? But people, I think, choose to oftentimes look at nostalgic things because they're like, oh, this was my childhood and stuff yeah. like that. And that's quite popular at the moment. But, I mean, I just feel like it's not – every time anybody's like, oh, the world has changed so much, I'm like, dude, they did this stuff in the 80s. 
If you look at it, there's a bunch of stuff in the 80s that came back from the 60s or reboots well, of the 60s. And there's a lot of stuff from the 50s that's a reboot from the 30s or from the silent era. Right. Like things like The Mummy. The Mummy has a, a remake about every 20 years on average. Right. And then like Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. Mission Impossible went through three different iterations. Um, there's a there's a, quite a few different things that – because Mission Impossible was originally like – something and then a tv show and then it was the movies mm. um so there's, there's i think mm. yeah the fact that people think that it's suddenly now all sequels and reboots and remakes and things well there was a time i think we did the top five movies of different years mm. when we were talking on the radio and there was one year that the top five movies in like the early 80s were all sequels or remakes mm, yeah so it's not new this stuff isn't new ideas. It's just, I mean, this, this stuff isn't, you know, a new Well, and there is phenomenon. the whole thing of like there are only six plots. Yes. In the world kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's just my take on it anyway. Uh, I always find that kind of strange. That just people are always like, oh, everything's terrible now. And I'm yeah. like, just try. But there, there it's reason, not true. There's so much great stuff. Look at Mad Max Fury Road, which is a great sequel. Mm. But I think though the reason that I, I do agree with you about the they haven't made any new pop culture in 25 years to me, it was just not – it was actually not as much to do with the Oasis as to do with the external conditions of the world um, because making art actually requires um, like a level of security and, and like, you know, basic hierarchy of needs taken care of. Mm. Um, and so there was it's probably minimal um, new culture coming out just because uh, other than in the, in the Oasis, which has had taken this – huge monopoly over the world which again another really interesting story is that this one company this one thing has this enormous monopoly over people's time it's like pretty much all anyone does anymore right just one company and then he has the brilliant idea of five people owning it instead of one and instead of like closing it two days a week right instead of like taking it and sharing it out amongst the whole world yes which which i think most people watching were thinking like why wouldn't you be why wouldn't you share that with everybody and then also he this one guy who's got all five people who've got all this money in a world that is so poor and that there's been wars over food and corn why why aren't you sharing that money out with everybody that's like it's horrible it's unconscionable yeah there are others there's really weird things in this too like mm. okay when he does the racing he chooses to be in a delorean oh, which yeah. one of the most famous lines from back to the future is that car will rip through us like tissue paper yeah because the delorean was so badly made made of fucking stainless steel it's crazy to me that, like, he's supposed to know the movie so well, but he doesn't know this one really famous thing about the movie that his car is going to be completely destroyed also, in this race. And De- DeLoreans can't even get up to 88 miles an hour. They're not very fast. <laughs> right. I, I, and also, yeah, shittily built and hard to steer. I mean, I'm sure it's got different rules within the game and all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, it's the, just I think to look it's cool. just a skin, basically. Right, but it's, it's so dumb. Yeah, and presumably and H cl- has helped him modify it. Well, I mean, you say it's just a skin, but there are other cars that can do different things. Mm. But the car can't even travel in time, so it's useless. Yeah. Um, the fun in that? Yeah, I just thought that was really dumb. Mm. Um, that whole race sequence too, like there were some cool bits in it, but a lot of them, the race and the fight and stuff, for a movie that's so obsessed with its references, you don't get to hold on to them for very long. Like they just flash past really quickly. Yes. Um, and you miss them. Like I missed the Serenity flying past. Right. It, yeah. I mean, that was a slightly longer time because it 
it's the main one of the major characters that comes out of it. But mm. um, but some, I'm talking about like yeah, just flashes on screen of somebody that you mm. you recognize for a second, and you're like, oh, what do I know? Oh, bye. It's well, I mean, that's kind of like a, it's designed as like little Easter eggs for people, yeah. I guess. Like, but yeah, pick your thing that you're into. Which um, is probably what it'd be like in the game. People chase down the things they're into, and like get you know get those mods and and get those costumes and skins and things for yeah. themselves. That's what I mean. That's what I think it's about. But um, I also the book is quite famous for its sexism. Like mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's definitely a sense that like Fandom this guy, boys. yeah, but also this guy has a lot of the nerdy boy hangups about women um, and concepts <laughs> of like oh. I like bigger women, therefore I'm different to everybody else because I sexually, sexually objectify different types of women. Yeah. But um, And it's got a lot more stalking and things, I think, in the book than in the movie. But the movie, one of the things I didn't like is it has an obsession with skinny people. Oh, yeah, um, everyone in the, everyone's like avatars. It's, there's a particularly like everyone chooses to be skinny in the in the game because of course you would kind of implication going on. But it's not just that. In the real world, characters who were fat in the book are skinny. Yes. Mark um, Rylance as James Halliday and, more importantly, Olivia Cook as as mm. Samantha slash Artemis. In the book, she's curvy and he's attracted to her because she's not like all the other yeah. girls. But um, the fact that they went with somebody who's so tiny, like so tiny in the movie. Well, she, they, she's round-faced, I think. And they, but what they did, they did a fake out with her, which really annoyed me. Is when they were introduced her, she's wearing like this big jumper, mm. and it makes her look bigger. Plus, she has a round face, mm. and so they, the way they shoot her early on looks like she could be fatter. Yes, but she's not. Um, she's like regular sized. Um, I think my, she's maybe, not. She's really small. I mean, well, I, she's short. I don't think she's particularly by actress standards skinny. She's short though. But that's the thing is that she she is skinny by most standards. Yeah. It's the same thing that people said to me when Gert was cast for Runaways. And I'm like, we have one fat girl in comics and they made her like. Yeah, she's like a size 14 or something. Right. Well, not even 14. Like they're, they're, like a skinny fat. If, if you look like, at them next to the people in the show, she might look slightly bigger. Mm. But next to any other human who is not an actor or an actress, yeah. they don't look skinny. They, they don't yeah. look that know, big I at know. all. And it's awful. And but the, the, also the fact that they fake that out with her because for, for the book fans who will have known her in the book as a fatter girl, um, and they do that fake out to introduce her is just rude. But also in the game, her avatar is really skinny, mm-hmm. and the reason that he liked the avatar in the first place was that she wasn't. Mm. That's literally what draws her, him to her in the book. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 it, it's really fat phobic mm. and really kind of yeah I. I found that really upsetting especially with like because samantha has like um self-image issues yeah and self-confidence issues um because of the lightest most barely noticeable birthmark on her face that moves around moves around and that i didn't even like i would just forget it was there half the time because it's covered by her hair most of the time no but even when it isn't it's this it's this slight discoloration because it's not covered by her hair most of the time because you see both of her eyes for the movie but like it's it's pretty minor yeah it's it's really like there for convenience you hardly even notice it it's very cosmetic it's very like it's very kind of yeah she has this in the book and therefore she has to have it for the movie right and there's nothing about like you know moving through the world in certain bodies like everybody 
who gets into the Oasis picks like an idealized body for themselves to move through it in. Except for Lena Waithe, which who, could be a really interesting thing right. to, to And she explore. picks, yeah, she picks like a coded masculine, big, muscly avatar. Right. And I, I mean, my assumption is she does that so that she doesn't get negative attention. Mm. But there's no Absolutely. exploration of why she might do that in the movie. No. It just is. And, and a lot of other things too, like the little kid and stuff like that, mm. where you're like, yeah, you should definitely give the million-dollar company to this 11-year-old child. But anyway, yeah. um, that kid was also a very terrible actor. Oh, God, like, he wasn't oh good, God. was he? Very terrible actor. But his brother was too. Yeah. They were not good. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, amongst like not particularly sparkling leads as well, like Lena Waithe was really good. I don't know. I quite and- like Olivia Cook. She's got a really sweet affect about her. Um, that she quite that she used quite well as like a having this sharper undertone in this movie. Even though once we see her in real life, she's basically re- reduced to a romantic foil. Mm. Um, when she, and earlier on, she's more interesting inside the oasis. But um, well, yeah, I mean, she gets the second key for them. Yeah, but I felt like she did quite a bit of um, decent work trying to get Ty Sheridan to, to do yeah <laughs> to be interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you know who was I thought fantastic in this movie is Ben Mendelsohn. Mm. Oh yeah, he is. He's with his fake teeth is so <laughs> like. There's moments when he's funny, but he's also consistently menacing, but also kind of like wimpy. And there's there's so many. He's always magnetic when he's on screen as well. Yeah, like like I'm saying in the movie where there's cool not not there's some actors who are just not particularly charismatic or interesting. He really kind of draws the, your eye, draws your attention. He does. And he does it all without – it's not a showy performance. It's mm. not an over-the-top performance. But it still manages to balance all of these elements. Like a lot of the time you see this kind of villain in a movie who's like, mm. oh, he used to be an intern. And um, and they mock him also for having feminine tastes in this movie, mm. um, which I was really, really grossed out by. I did not enjoy that. Yeah. But um, he still manages to be scary mm-hmm. a lot of the time and, and – He's just – he does a really good job. And there are moments when I was laughing when he was like – I'm sure he was intentionally being funny. Yes. Um, just with reactions and things like oh, that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was terrific. I was like, I want more bad guy, please. Yeah, he was great. Um, more of both the bad guys actually because there's also – my favorite character in the whole movie turned out to be TJ Miller, which I know is terrible, but no, I but didn't know. No, but he was funny though. Yeah. I mean, he was doing the TJ Miller shtick. Like, which I don't know. But that said – this version of the T.J. Miller shtick was usually his shtick is icky because it's also sexualized and this one wasn't and it was actually just kind of funny. Like he was actually kept on a short leash, which is what he needs. It's, but it's not sexualized, but it's also because it's his shtick but in something that doesn't look anything like him. Yeah, it's yeah. It's this big skull dude, right? Yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's oh, very I into the of, Punisher. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I, you know, I have a sore neck thing and I in my I neck. I have to go and see that. <laughs> I really need to, yeah. So it's really like it's that yeah. – and and, and he's much needed comic relief. He is, but there's also something really, really funny about him being so competent, like so much more competent than the main villain. Yeah. Right? As this sidekick, he gets everything done, but he's also really into the game and he's he also spells. like – spells. Right. He's, been, he's got like 10 years worth of stuff in him. Like he hasn't he hasn't managed to die in game in 10 years, so he's right. like full of coins and yeah. It, it's just he is like so – viable as this yeah no, he's like good. that that just was a really great character mm. 
regardless of who played him because yeah. I really didn't know until the end of it. I was like, oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but I barely know T.J. Miller. I think just Deadpool. Yeah. So well, And he was less annoying than he was in Deadpool and, and less annoying than he – definitely less annoying than he is in Silicon Valley. So, yeah, yeah, it seems Silicon Valley. Valley. Um, but, yeah. Um, I, yeah, he was so and, – and also Hannah Kamen. Hannah John Kamen. That girl. Um, she was um, quite fun too, although it seemed like she was kind of unnecessary – yeah. Um, I feel like she was, she was having in the fun. book. Yeah. She was having fun. Um, but she felt like kind of like um, love from Blade Runner 2049 light uh-huh. in this. Yes, she did. That was very much, I think, what they were going for with her. Well, it wouldn't have been out, though, when they were making this. No, but I think they were – no, that's true. But, I mean, there are, there is a long tradition of that type of buttoned-up sort of a woman being the offsider to a, a corporate villain. Like, there's there are other – there are. Um, it just it was a very it could have been playing off. So yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it it is strange at the end of the movie that the moral of this movie is you should live more in the real world because it's real. And you're like, yeah, but we didn't ever before. Like we don't. I don't know how old Wade is. I no. don't know if he's a high school student or an adult because he never does anything in well, his real life. Because that's the other thing that I needed explained a bit more is. To me, it seems like they go into the Oasis because that's where you earn, like, a living, right? It seems like – because no one seems to have a job other than going into the Oasis. Like, he comes home and his aunt's – like, he's borrowed his aunt's gloves and she – her boyfriend needs them to because he needs to go into the Oasis because he's trying to get money and he's he spent the house money on mods in the game but he was going to win it back. Right. Like, so is- what's the deal with, like, how do you work out, you know, who's a stu- – like – how do they are they able to devote all this time to this? Like, do they not have to work anymore? Well, that seems to me there's betting within the game. Yeah, yeah. With your real money. But you don't earn there's no jobs in the game that earn you real money. No, but you can earn money in the game. Yeah, but you can earn money with real life video games yeah, yeah, if you yeah. bet your own money on them and stuff. Right, right. But and it, and obviously the the IOI people are being some of them are being paid and some of them aren't. But they're being paid to do a job for that company. Right. So, like, I assume there are jobs in the real world. And they must have them because I don't know how old he is, but, like, Lena Waite is, what, late 30s? And she owns a, a postal van and, like... Well, I assume she worked for the postal service. But. Yeah, so she must have a job, right? She can't be in there all the time. But in this movie, like, there's no nobody ever has to go to work. They can always just spend their whole days playing. But where does he go then? We see him returning home several times. Well, no, yeah, he goes to a little van to play his game, though. He's got this set up in a van somewhere that's miles away from his actual house where he plays. It, it, well, it can't be I that get, far away because he runs there in no time. But, yeah. It, but it's it is it's not, like, in his house. It's right. And separate. But we see him go it's from, weird, not from his house why. to there or there to his house, like, from somewhere else to the game and then home. Yeah, it's weird. So what does he do during his real life? Yeah, if he you- must be doing something during the day. And also, it would have been a good plot point to have, like, somebody has to go to school or, like, somebody's playing hooky from school or, like, that would have just made a slight little point of interest. Right, so- and and there are schools. We know there are schools. They because talk about they them. talk about them. But that's the only time we find out that there are real-world schools. Yeah. Is that where Wade goes? Is he a high schooler? Is he an adult? Who knows? Also, they make the point of saying that his father named him Wade Watts because it sounded like a superhero. Yeah. Like Clark Kent or someone else. And I was like, or Wade Wilson, maybe. Uh-huh. Like that is a weird reference to not have. Yeah. Um, since it is exactly the same name, essentially. Especially since the target audience for this and the target audience for Deadpool would be, you know, very closely overlapping circles. Yes. 
they have the They'd same just be a circle in two of the two of them yeah um uh, yeah and that's right and you got one of the actors so why wouldn't you very weird i mean may, it might not have been in the book mm. but like you'd think that they would put it in the movie since it's I, a fairly and it, it's a it's a gimme yeah with oh. this crowd yeah i also didn't i mean there's some weird cultural stuff like why are the two japanese like the japanese people choose japanese uh, japanese american people choose japanese avatars like, right yeah and only japanese stuff to mm -hmm. reference and things oh yeah which seemed slightly racist. Mm -hmm. It was just a bit strange. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, less racist than I've equally, heard in the book, but and equally, you see women who choose male avatars, you know, presumably to get less um, negative attention. But does it happen the other way? Do men play as women? Probably not. They might. I mean, none that it, we see, though. No, none that we see. Oh, the fact that they all live in the same city too, like it's convenient, <laughs> very convenient. It's they they all seem to live within the same area. Yeah, like it's really really convenient. Yes, yeah, so they can all get to one another within like an hour. This is like a worldwide game. Yeah, you would assume and they're all there. Yeah, <laughs> um, every single person who and, matters to this story happens this, to be in this and area. And the, the game, like the the companies, are all headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, which is a bit of a random place to have headquarters. And well, I'm, I think that's because, like, he says quickly at the beginning that other major cities have been wiped out. Right, out right, right. Columbus so is the biggest to, growing city, right. so it makes sense that the big company and he are, and him are there, and even Artemis because she's specifically fighting against mm. the big company. But like. H and Daito and Sho have no well, reason. They're just friends that he made in the game. Especially as um as H like references living in, in their parents' basement in Detroit kind of thing. Yeah. Like that would have been a again, like she could be in Detroit. Um yeah, I'm looking through my notes now to remember what else I wanted to talk about. Mm, yes, sure. Um there's the Back to the Future sting in this movie, which was um mm. interesting. Um <laughs> every, Oh right. So it had the also had the like this is set in a like in a you know dystopian future therefore there has to be a club scene yeah which I thought was funny like uh, it's every single dystopian future movie has a club scene in it yeah um yeah that birthmark uh, yeah that birthmark makes her hideous I can barely look at her is another one that I put yeah you down. whispered that to me <laughs> <laughs> because it's I mean uh, she's like oh you'll be disappointed you know and and uh. he's like I'm not disappointed I'm like no kidding because she like it looks like she maybe splashed some like paint on her face or something it's mm. barely noticeable actually that would be more noticeable. <laughs> there are birth, but there are birthmarks that are really obvious and that like distort skin. And yeah, yeah. Change. Well, like a port wine stain. Right. Like yeah. there, I was thinking like they don't tend to look like what she looks like in this movie. They no. tend to. God, be imagine more... if they had hired an actor who had one. Ah, oh, God, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> That's crazy. And then um, it wouldn't. I, then it would bother me less that she's not fat because they'd actually hired somebody who was yeah, right for the part. That would that um, would be great. The fact that Artemis doesn't kiss. The girl too. Since the whole point of this movie is kissing oh, yeah. girls, is fun. She doesn't even when get to kiss the kid. Dances with her at the which was the whole um, point the of that scene. I know that uh. was so strange. Yeah, I mean, I I do think um, Mark Rylance's character did miss the message there. The message wasn't kiss the girl. The message was listen to what the girl wants and don't just do what you want to do all the time. Like consider another person when you are looking for a romantic partner and maybe you'll be able to get one. Yeah. Um, or to keep one, which is his problem. It's not getting one. It was keeping one. And it was like, dude, come on. Um, I also wrote not often that the minion is the best character. But anyway. 
Um, <laughs> I, um, there was another thing as well. Mm. Okay, so when you're in the oasis, you can't see the real world, right? I don't know. And this is another problem because you actually see them like running along the streets with their fake guns and stuff. Right, so you bump into things. I, I know, right? How does that work? But also there are times when it seems very much like they can see outside the oasis. Yeah. Um, there's a moment when there's a guy who get, when when Artemis is doing the prison thing and a guy gets shocked in the next booth over from her and she looks at him. Yeah. And I was like, wait, can she see him? Or maybe she's just hearing him outside the thing. But like surely you'd be – you wouldn't be able – because I've done VR games. You can't see outside. No, you can't. But it seems to reference frequently that they can. And that's and that's why, like, to me as well, the reason that most of them have, like, a little home, like, treadmill thing that they play on as well mm. so that they can run around and move and do things because, yeah, that's one of the things about VR. You've got to kind of do it in a safe little space. You've got to clear some area for yourself um, or else you will bump into things. And so it's – so when at the end there's, like, all these people running around in the streets and – doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. It's really anyway. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things in this movie that don't make a whole lot of sense. No, and th- there are so many things that do need explanations that we don't get explanations for. Yeah, all the things that we're actually interested in explanations for, we don't get them, and uh, all the things where the explanation doesn't add much value are explained like three times. Yeah, and but also there's things that we we just already know a lot of this stuff. All the characters in the game would already know it, mm. and people are telling them things that they should already know, which mm. is also frustrating because you're like, you've got to figure out a way to do this organically. This is stupid. Yeah. Like the butler's explaining the way that the journals work to him, even though he's just said he goes there like all Every the time. time. You, I ha- so I haven't read the novel, but I did read this wonderful parody of the novel. And sounds to me, as far as I can tell, the novel is really like that, where like right. that really clunky exposition sort of woven into otherwise normal dialogue. Yeah. So I, 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 that wouldn't surprise me if that's a bit of a hangover there, especially as Ernest Klein worked on the screenplay. Yeah. Um, I also thought this movie was really, really kid friendly up until that shining stuff. Yes. Which is really not kid friendly. Um, but, um, there's all these things that, like, I'm shocked that nobody ever tried them before in the whole right? world. It's five years? Yeah, nobody's the whole world's tried. been doing it for five years and nobody tried going backwards on the course. Mm. That seems strange. Because I, I, we've tried that. You try, like, if you've ever played Mario Kart, you try that on about your eighth go. Right, exactly. Everybody tries it. Everybody tries a bunch of different, like, everybody tries. Or you do tried, it by stupid accident because playing video games is hard. Right. Everybody's tried, like, going backwards. Everybody's tried, like, you know, somebody before would have tried, like, going off course, going mm. backwards, flying off this path, flying, because they've done it a hundred times. That's right. So you would definitely try a whole bunch of different things and then go online and tell everybody about yes, it. Yes, and then that's exactly right. Then you'd share the cheats on the wiki or you'd share the, the, how to get through it. And I mean, would- these secrets are found out in five minutes. I know. In video games and, like, go and online. You just jump, jump on Reddit and you can find how to get through a, a level. It's- right. It's, it's crazy to me that yeah. nobody thought of going backwards on that race. Yeah. And they're just like completely uncooperative with each other on it, which is not how most like. Well, they would be. No, they would be with the money. Yeah, yeah, over the money, especially in the world that they're in, or supposedly in. But somebody else would have found it first, surely. Like within about a week. Yeah, that scene looked great though when he's underneath and all the like. I Mm. mean, all the coding and then to put little platforms up. That scene looked really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, um, I I think references. God, what's that movie? Is it The French Connection with the 
which has got the chase underneath yeah, it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was cool. See, yeah. I won't pick up my sci-fi references, but to car movies, I'm all over. Um, but yeah, that was cool. That looked really good, like the glass road and stuff. Yeah. Very clever. Um, anyway, should we sure. give it a rating? Um, yes. Uh, I get once again I'm wobbling between two and a half and three, but I'm actually gonna go two and a half with this one just because it's so forgettable. Like, I had a decent amount of fun watching it and I certainly didn't hate it as much as I expected it to, but it's such a nothing movie to me. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of Love, Simon for me in that it's very competently made. Mm. People put a lot of work and effort into making this, but it's just, yeah, it is really forgettable and the things it has to say and what it represents in society are not great. No. Um, And it doesn't really explore a lot of themes that it should explore and really the only theme that it comes out with is kissing girls is fun. Yeah. It's so much from mm. one perspective. Take time you know. out of gaming to kiss girls occasionally. Yes, exactly. Um, and it also ignores why people want to do it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. The actual motivation behind gaming. Um, yeah. Plus, yeah, it's got that slightly like Gamergate is a cool sort of idea. Which is the worst. So, yeah, I'm going to say two and a half stars too. Thank you very much for Maybe listening. Maybe two. Oops, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Maybe two? two stars. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us uh, on social media, we're at screen underscore queens. On Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.